This episode was recorded on July 3rd and is dedicated with loving memory to Ruben's father, Ruben Escobedo Jr. Hello and welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, here today with a very special guest, a comedian, a podcaster, an ordained minister, a dungeon master a little bit, but not as much as he would like, Ruben Escobedo Third. Hi, welcome. I, we, I said this off mic, okay? And I don't mean to peek behind the curtain a little bit, but I have, I've listened to episodes of this podcast and I just assumed that intro was pre-recorded. The fact that you do it live is like watching an artist paint. Like that <laughs> is incredible. With, with my podcast, like my intro is all I have to say is kid tested. That's all I have to say. And I can barely get through that sometimes. <laughs> and you read off this wonderful paragraph that with great alliteration and rhyming. And I'm over here like two words. Just say two <laughs> words. Well, thank you for that. Speaking of your podcast, Kid Tested Mother Approved, yes. I've also listened to your podcast and it is quality entertainment. Oh, Very stop. Wonderful dynamic between you and the mom who tests, wait, approves. You test yes. it, she approves it. Yeah. Yes, my mother is a wonderful lady. Yes, so good stuff. Well, Ruben has selected a wonderful film for us to talk about today. But before we get into that film, we first want to get a nice picture of what kind of movie viewer Ruben is. Mm -hmm. So our first question is, what was the first movie you remember seeing in theaters? So here's how you can tell that I listened to other episodes is that when Adriana McCain was asked this question, she said, oh, I went and asked my mom. Mm -hmm. That doesn't count. That doesn't <laughs> count. It's the first movie you remember seeing. Yeah. Because I also went and asked my mom and then was like, no, 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 that one doesn't count. <laughs> so the first movie that I remember seeing in theaters, I was seven. First movie I remember seeing, my dad took me to. And it was a don't tell your mom we're seeing this. Oh, no. <laughs> because what we would do is we would go to the movies and we would go see a movie he wanted to see and then sneak into a movie we wanted to see or, you know, vice versa. I could not tell you the movie we saw this with, but we went and saw Mystery Alaska from 1997, which is an R-rated hockey comedy. Oh, my um, God. Googling it. Oh, yeah, it sucked. I'm sure it's aged like milk. Like, I'm sure that like none of the jokes are OK at all. I have not watched it since then. But I remember like leaving the theater, not understanding any of the comedy, but my dad being like, seriously, don't tell your mom. And like we, we walked in the door and I was like, hmm, guess where we went, mother? <laughs> like, uh -oh. <laughs> like immediately was like, <laughs> I'm a sneaky little boy. My mom was like, why did you do that? So yeah, that's the first movie I remember seeing in theaters. But I know like I saw Pocahontas at the drive-in. Also, I do love that like a lot of people's first movie is like a Disney film that they remember. Mm -hmm. And mine is, an, like I said, an R-rated hockey comedy yeah. from 1997. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, Dad's the best. <laughs> do you remember much about the experience? Like what it made you think about the movie theater experience? Well, I remember that little Richard is in it in a cameo. And I thought that was very funny because I knew who he was. And I was like, oh, heck yeah, Tutti Frutti guy's here. Like this rules. <laughs> But I, to me, theaters have always just been a place where it's like, it's very weird. It's almost like a religious experience where it's like you go, you sit, you don't talk. And we just we take in what this is being like said or done at us. It's like, oh, OK, cool. I kind of like this. Like, totally. Yeah. That's why I asked people what was the first movie they saw in theaters as opposed to just like watch. Yeah, just in general. Yeah. When's the first time you went to the Church of Film, which obviously <laughs> I'm not going to say that because then people will end the call. But <laughs> <laughs> what was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters without any parents or supervising adults? This is a two for one because I feel like one's a technicality. So when I was in eighth grade, I went on a date with a girl. And it was the very first time I ever went on a date. Aww. And we went and saw 50 First Dates. Hmm. But my dad was also in the theater. Oh, no. But he was like three rows <laughs> like behind. I, like he was somewhere adjacent in the theater. 
Yeah. And you knew he was there. He wasn't like, I knew he was there. Mission impossible in you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That would have ripped. <laughs> but I'm like, whoa, who's that guy hanging from the ceiling? Like, I knew he was there. So, like, technically, I was supervised, but I wasn't like supervised. Yeah. But I also remember that when I was a kid, when we went to Tahoe every year. We'd always go to the casinos or whatever and go play in the arcades or go to the movies. But the first movie I remember seeing with just a group of my friends and like my brother was Bruce Almighty. And I remember that we walked into the theater early and the credits were still playing from the previous like showing. And we sat down and then my friends started talking to these girls that were just sitting here that were like our age and the credits were playing. Okay. So the movie is over. Someone complained to the theater employees that we were talking. <laughs> oh my God. My friend is like, but the movie's over. And the guy was like, yeah, man, I don't know. That was also before post credit scenes, too. So they yeah. weren't even like waiting for the post credit scene. No. Yeah. And could you imagine a post credit scene from Bruce Almighty? Like, what would that have been? So I remember both of those very vividly. Well, by the way, I was very upset that you didn't warn me that there's not a credit scene after the movie that we watched for the show. I actually got tricked when I was watching it. I was like watching it and then it ended and I started like doing something else as the credits were playing. Mm -hmm. And then the screen just goes blue and music starts and I ran into the room and I was like, what, what, what? Hold on, what? And Hulu had just started auto playing the second one. Oh, <laughs> but I was like, is there, is there just been this like my entire life that I didn't know? Yeah, not sanctioned. Nice trolling yeah. Hulu. <laughs> yeah, I was like, they got me. And what would that have been? Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that. Them eating yeah. dinner again. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny just how Marvel has like ruined us for other movies. Absolutely. Have you heard about how some theaters have to put out signs because people get so angry about it? They put out signs that they print every week that say the following movies have post credit scenes and the following movies do not. And then the list the ones that do and the ones that don't. You know, it's funny to me, though, is I, I swear that even before Marvel movies existed, my friends and I would sit and wait. And you know what I mean? Like, this is the weirdest poll. Did you know Master of Disguise has a post credit scene? No. Oh, but that reminds me. I think Austin Powers does, too. Austin, Austin Powers. Powers does. One of the first movies that I can recall having one is Ferris Bueller. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, what are you still doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah. And so it's that like there's always a little tease of some more. So like like you're saying, yeah, it's totally become a Marvel thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's funny the movies that aren't like big superhero blockbusters that also have them. Yeah, it's interesting. The Bruce Almighty experience, other than the dickhole being that way. <laughs> Being, actually, being upset yeah. that teenagers were shooting their shot in the back row. Yeah. What was the experience like other than that? Like, Yeah, it was great. Like, I think like seeing a comedy movie, especially something like that, where it's just stupid slapstick, ridiculous comedy. Like Bruce Almighty, I it's one of those movies where your brain's like, is this good? And then you watch it and you're like, kind of. It's not bad. It's not like the best Jim Carrey movie ever, but it is funny. But it just kind of like is this weird like, oh, yeah, that one also exists. I feel like whenever in media now anyone's casting God, they're always like using that as the example. Like, well, Morgan Freeman, the Morgan Freeman as God casting has like outlived that movie a thousand years. <laughs> like, that's like, so true. I forgot that's where it originated. But yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the like the Morgan Freeman God thing is Bruce Almighty and it works. Yeah. In 10 years, we're going to see like Bruce Almighty the musical like we're gonna you know what i mean where it's like one of those movies where you're like huh yeah. and then you see it and you're like oh yeah that makes sense that actually works <laughs> you mentioned it is not jim carrey's best movie do you have an opinion on which movie is jim carrey's best movie i feel like when a lot of people are asked that they're always like oh it's the grinch it's not the grinch here here's my thing is i have this opinion with most comedic actors is that they've got well, shocker they have two sides so for me if i'm looking at comedic jim carrey what's his best movie it's probably his fincher too like he just nails i mean every single thing in that movie is a hit but if i think what is my favorite jim carrey movie that's just like a genuinely good movie it's Man on the Moon. Oh, my God. Man on yeah. the Moon is a top. That's a top five for me. Man on the Moon is one of my favorite biopics of all time because like it's just that good. But it's also not Jim Carrey being like, hey, like he's not like, you know what I mean? Like, because that would be weird. Yeah. It's like imagine if Uncut Gems was like man, baby, Adam Sandler. Like, it would, it would, <laughs> oh, my God. I want to get the gem. Like, that would be so weird. Yeah. 
But so it's like having that kind of like knowledge of, okay, here's where I need to be like in the headspace. That's what makes it good. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's man on the moon, 100%. But like if you're just looking at comedic goofball Jim Carrey, oh, it's Ace Ventura too. I mean, the the rhino scene. Come on, that's (laughs) that's cold. Yeah. And then there's like indie Jim Carrey, because I kind of wondered if you were going to say Eternal Sunshine, just because I feel like that's like the film aficionados movie. But I also didn't see you as being that person. Man on the Moon makes a lot more sense for you. And also, I agree. I was going to say The Truman Show, but I forgot about Man on the Moon. Those are both quality is it's very interesting like in my other podcast my adam sandler podcast we're going through chronologically and looking at like his career and doing movie by movie and it's super interesting to me to look at his career and go oh he was like young cool kind of like little goofball guy when does he transition into like old kind of dad who's over it like when does that transition start to happen and oddly enough it's big daddy like of course it is He's almost seen like a romantic lead and Big Daddy is like the combination of the two. And after Big Daddy, it's kind of like, oh, now he's a dad. He's just a dad now. He's not young weirdo. He's a dad. And so that's for like Jim Carrey. It's like, well, when does he kind of like, but when does he start to go, well, I want to make art. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to just be the fart weird guy. Like, I don't yeah. really talk with my butt. I want to make art now. Yeah. And it's, it's eternal sunshine. I think eternal sunshine is buck wild. It's so cool and so crazy, but in the best ways. It's all right. I'm not a fan personally, but. So I'm a big behind the scenes guy. I love how was this done? How, How did we achieve that? And to watch the behind the scenes of that movie is wild. That would probably make me like it more. They do so many like switches where like someone's in front of the camera, the camera turns. They run off screen, switch their clothes, come back. So that's my thing to me is like when I can look at the behind the scenes of something and appreciate how much really went into this. Hell yeah. I I love that shit too. I love behind the scenes. Yeah. I miss that because I don't use DVDs and Blu-rays anymore. And I really miss all the content you get on the disc, but I don't even have a player. So I literally have nothing in my home that could play any sort of physical media. One of my favorite ones of all time is Saw (laughs) 2. Because because when I was a kid, like, and we'll talk about this, but like scary movies scared me. But to not be scared of them, I would watch the behind the scenes. How is it done? It's not real. So how did they make it look real? Yeah. And at one point in Saw 2, I'm not sure if you're familiar. So one of the characters gets thrown into a needle pit and like a bunch of needles get stuck into her and she's like, oh, they like pull her out. And then she's sitting there pulling the needles out of her arm. And I'm like, oh, so gross, so scary. And then when you watch the behind the scenes, it's literally that, but zoomed out. And she is sitting there. Her arm is behind her back. And then she is pulling the needles out of the fake arm. But it's cut just in such a way where that looks like it would be her arm. And she's pulling needles out of her arm. But it's just it's just a guy in like headphones, like <laughs> holding this fake arm on a stick. Amazing. As, you know, with like pumps to like pump the blood. Through. Yeah. So for me, it's like, oh, yeah, none of this is real. <laughs> It's it's pretend it's made up and that's why it's fun. Yeah, I love that you like had the foresight to do that. My mom wanted to be a filmmaker when I was a kid cool. up until I was like 10. And so I would like be in her movies at film school and she would show me like how they did stuff like green screen and all that shit. Yeah. So that led to me like never being scared of movies ever because like from <laughs> a toddler, I knew what was up. <laughs> no, it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's exactly what you did. Only you like took the initiative and didn't just inherently have someone telling you (laughs) well it also helps that when you're a kid and you love spielberg movies because you're like oh well dinosaurs and aliens aren't well to my knowledge aren't real dinosaurs aren't real i'm good well you know what i mean like hold on (laughs) dinosaurs are real Well, we're real. Uh, Yeah, I love seeing that stuff, but like knowing it's not real, like even as a young age, like obviously sharks are real, but it's one of those things of like, well, it doesn't happen like this. Mm -hmm. This is not how the world works. This is how movies work. And there's a difference between movies and the real world. Yes, there is. There is a difference. It's so true, King. (laughs) (laughs) Thoroughly answered that question. Yes. So other than the movie that we're talking about today, tell me one of your favorite movies of all time and why. This is such a hard question. I had to look at it and I had to say, okay. And I think my choice is Ghostbusters because as a kid, I loved Ghostbusters because it's it's funny. It's scary. It's got puppets in it, which I, you know what I mean? Like it's that whole, like as a kid who loved to see the behind the scenes, 
to see something like Slimer and go, okay, so how did they do that? Because puppets aren't translucent. Mm -hmm. And if they were, you would see the man's hand. Like, so it's like, okay, and, and well, green screen and, and, you know, film this and film that. As I'm saying this, I realize another movie that I probably would have chosen, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you idiot. You're literally describing why you like another movie. Is it The Frighteners? The no, you know, oh. you know what it is? Is it's Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh. You know what? Screw yeah. it. I I'm pivoting. <laughs> I choose Who Framed Roger Rabbit because as a kid, it's like, oh, it's cartoons. Ha ha ha. It's Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and everybody's all there together. But to watch the behind the scenes of it and to, to know that if they made that today, It'd be cool, but it wouldn't be like how they did it, where they had to hand paint every cartoon sequence. The scene where the weasels are interrogating Eddie in his apartment is wild because they're picking things up that are real, putting them down. One weasel pulls out a real gun and like is waving it around. And so then to watch like the without the weasels composited in, there's, it looks like a puppet show where there's like a bunch of guys above the stage, like one guy's controlling the gun and one guy's flipping through papers. He's like flicking the papers like with a wire. Hell yeah. At, at one point, Roger Rabbit comes out of the water, sprays water and then go and then Eddie shoves him back in. And there's like a <laughs> pipe that shoots up, sprays him in the face and goes back. And it's just like the Hell amount yeah. of yeah, the amount of work that went into making that so good. And however many years later, it still holds up insanely well. It's just it's so good. I, while I love Ghostbusters. I got to give it to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay, I will watch it. You never watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> I think I saw it as a child at a time when it was not the right time for me. Also, I just saw that the director of Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the director of my favorite movie, who I'm doing, who the other episode is about. Is it what I think it is? What my favorite movie is? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think it is? Is it Back to the Future? No. <laughs> oh, what's no. your favorite movie? Totally like out of his wheelhouse. It's Contact. His other movies are not like that. Okay. <laughs> now that oh, I think about it, right. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, he did Back to the Future and Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Wow. So I, I love Roger Rabbit. I also love Back to the Future. Like, I love a spectacle. And I, I think now, you know, we have our modern versions of that. We have our, our CGI and it's, it's very cool. It's very fun. But I love when I love that early era of trying to figure out what that was. Totally. You know what I mean? Of doing mm -hmm. the, 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 the physicality of everything. That's, that's what I like. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out who did the animation for. So the whole kicker was who owned Roger Rabbit. They weren't really sure, like, who, who owned him the character. Disney got the theme park rights to him and they were able to make a couple shorts, but they couldn't use him past that. And neither could Spielberg. Spielberg and Disney both wanted to make their own versions of Roger Rabbit without having Roger Rabbit. So Disney goes on and makes the cartoon Bonkers, <laughs> which is he a police cat. Not that great. It, it's not a good show. A cab. All cats are beautiful. All cats are beautiful. <laughs> While Steven Spielberg goes on to create the Animaniacs. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So he won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But it's just so wild to me that like, yeah, the Animaniacs exist because they couldn't figure out Roger Rabbit's whole thing. That's why nothing ever happened else with him, because it was such a rights nightmare. And in Roger Rabbit, the villain is played by Christopher Lloyd, who rules because yeah. as a kid, I was like, that's that's Doc Brown. Yeah. Doc Brown's not a bad guy. <laughs> and then I watched that and I was like, Doc Brown is evil. <laughs> <laughs> that was your conclusion. <laughs> yeah. Christopher Lloyd is such a great character actor. And I got to meet him at a convention. Aww. And it was a very sweet man. Very nice. And, you know, sometimes when you meet somebody and your brain kind of like romanticizes the experience, mm -hmm. he signed a Doc Brown pop for me. I was just like, I just want to say thank you for, for everything, for for everything that I grew up with and everything I loved growing up that you were a part of. Like it, it helped shape me. It changed my childhood, changed my life. And I just want to say thank you. And he's like signing and he looks up at me. And he goes, thank you. And he like sticks his hand across the table Aww. and I like shake his hand and I'm like, and I like take the pop and I like walk away. And my buddy who was standing right there and he goes, however cool you think that looked in your head, that's exactly what it looked like. He goes, <laughs> he goes, you are not romanticizing that at all. <laughs> that's awesome. I just teared up. Yeah. So Christopher Lloyd is the sweetest man on the planet. He is an absolute sweetheart. I have a picture with him right there of me, him and the DeLorean. Oh, now have you seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Hell yeah. That was one of okay. my favorites as a kid. He has a large Marge scene where oh. 
there's a sequence where I'm like, okay, we can skip this part. <laughs> Damn. As a kid, I loved Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It's the best. But the large Marge scene, it'd always be like, oh, I think I need to go get some water or something. <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom right now. Oh, is large Marge gone? Oh, how weird. Okay, I guess I'm done. Good to know yourself. Yeah. Take care of those boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also realizing with your picks that I think you're closer to my age than I realized. How old did you think I was? I don't know. Younger than me. I thought maybe 29. As incorrect. How old do you think I am? I thought you were like 24. (laughs) I thought I was much older than you. Well, I don't know. I mean, no, you're not. I'm 31. Okay, I'm older. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just glad that people now think that I'm of age... for a long time people thought I wasn't allowed to I would be working and people would be like are you allowed to work here does your mom know you're here I'm like 25 I always thought it was interesting when people are like oh you're gonna love looking younger when you're older and I'm like why why would I love that I'm not a creep like I I, seriously yeah so now now I have this mustache where I'm like, oh, wait, no, no, no. I, I'm still not a creep, but this this, <laughs> this helps differentiate, which kind of like, yeah. I'm not a kid. I My face doesn't have a choice. <laughs> it's either like too young or too old. Like there's no, just look 30, please. <laughs> I think I should probably grow a mustache so people will think I'm older. You should wear one of those Groucho Marx glasses, but just wear them all the time. There we go. Perfect. Overall, how would you describe your relationship with movies? Oh, I don't really like them. Oh, okay. Get <laughs> yeah, out. No. <laughs> yeah. That's like, fine. Could you imagine if I was like, eh? No, We've had I mean, guests who don't like movies, so. Well, well, now that being said, have they gone on for 30 minutes like I have just ranting about how much they love movies? Like, No. I feel like it'd be like buck wild if I got to this point was like, I've only seen like those four movies. Are there <laughs> other it. movies? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I love movies. Movies are the best. It's just, it's fun to escape. And I think that everybody can get something out of a movie. Everybody can get something else out of it. The movies are for everyone. Where I like to go and see a movie and then like think about it like whoa isn't that so crazy and what do you think this means we're like my dad and my brother are like a movie is a movie like i watched was it my neighbor totoro with my brother for the first time and he was like you're gonna like this and i was like okay okay so we watched it and i was like oh that's really good and i was like do you think they die at the end like i think it's like a <laughs> metaphor like and, it, and he looks me dead in the eyes and goes no they're alive with their mom <laughs> and i'm like yeah but you know she's she good at that she could have died too because she was sick i'm like i think it's like implying it's it's not implying anything they're with their mom at the end they're not dead and i'm like yeah but is it was this all a dream and he's like no totoro helped them get to their mom that's what it is and i was like oh okay cool (laughs) that could also be like a reflection of different psychological states like maybe your brother kind of needs to believe that there are happy endings (laughs) and things can be okay whereas you're like i want to explore the possibilities of realities where i'm like i think everybody died (laughs) yeah or that well that was like when we watched secret life of walter mitty we saw it in theaters i like that one and i was like oh i think when he imagines beards like i almost think he thinks like a beard is like the enemy or a beard is negative (laughs) and my brother goes he has a beard at the end very literal (laughs) yeah and i'm like well yeah but but i think that like when he i go if you look at everyone who he doesn't like they all have beards and he goes yeah but he has a beard sean penn (laughs) sean penn is a beard maybe you're just overthinking it don't start a movie podcast with your brother (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah be like hey what'd you think it was good oh okay cool um it's funny because i'm like i I watched it again i was like oh he's right it's not everyone who has a beard it's his definition of manliness what he thinks a true man is is someone who has a beard and that's how he's like processing it i'm like oh okay and my brother probably like no he just he wants to grow a beard (laughs) yeah that's cool to see like within the family the different perspectives and also you said or the different experiences of film you also mentioned like your dad also sees it like a movie is just a movie yeah which makes sense that he would take a a small child to a rated r (laughs) hockey sports comedy (laughs) we just feel like it you don't get this right i'm like nope (laughs) great my dad also this is my favorite story to tell about my dad because when we were kids my dad would watch a movie in the living room and his thing would be like, he'd be like, hey, come here. Uh, I'm going to watch a scary grown-up movie. And if you're still in here, you can play in here. But if you're still in here and you see it and it scares you, that's on you. You parent yourself. <laughs> yeah. We were like, okay. Um, and so then we would, you know, that's what grown had me be afraid of. Mars Attacks oh, and man. Child's Play. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but also that's what like caused me to love these movies where I'm like, yeah, it's kind of I had like weird existential crises as like a very small child, though, because of Mars attacks, because I'd be like, well, that could just happen. 
at any moment where like a little alien going ack, 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 could show up and just like <laughs> blow me up. And then I'm like, and it freaks me out for the longest time where I was like, that could just happen. And I'm like, take a page from your brother. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a movie, stupid. No. Yeah. I just, I, I love movies. Movies, movies are so much fun. And this is such a weird way to phrase this, but the high that you get from seeing certain movies in theaters and getting that crowd experience, mm-hmm. whether you like these kind of movies or not, like the Marvel movies, okay. Whether you like them or not, that crowd experience, like when I saw Avengers Endgame and when the hammer gets lifted up and goes into Captain America's hand, just the a visceral, like the visceral reaction from people and the cheer and the positivity and just the like the genuine overflow of just like, yes, like it's so like I wish I could bottle that and feel that all the time. Just when a character does something and the crowd just loves it. It's just the best. It's awesome. There used to be a theater by me that was called the Retro Dome that would show old movies. Hell yeah. I love those. Oh, it's the best. And my friend and I would go and we would watch movies that we never got to see like in theaters because, you know, before we were born or whatever, and we got to see them with an audience and to see a full theater like react to Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom. Oh, my God. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) To hear oh no's and to see hear cheers. Yeah. To hear like laughter. Oh, I really the movie that you chose today. I had that thought that like not only do I really want to see this with a crowd, but specifically I want to see it with the 1975 crowd. Like, can you imagine what that would have been like? Imagine walking out of that and being like, movies are changed forever. <laughs> like, like, yeah. You think like, people knew? Yeah. But that's what's so crazy to me is I don't know if they did. Yeah. Is that like, like movies are changed forever. This has changed movie. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about it because there's so much to talk about. But yes. I love movies. Hello. I do two movie podcasts that could not be any more different. <laughs> I love to talk about movies. I just, yeah. Movies are the best. I love movies. I love movies. Gosh, I love movies. Hell yeah. This is the space where the ads go. Hey, it's Ruben. I was on the podcast you just listened to, or I'm about to be on the podcast you just listened to, or this is in the middle. I don't know when these play, but I don't have a promo for either of my shows. So this is me doing a promo for both of my shows. So if you liked me and you liked me sober and happy, go ahead and listen to Kid Tested Mother Approved. It's my podcast I do with my mom. It's very fun. It's very sweet. It's very wholesome. If you were like, he doesn't sound drunk enough, go ahead and listen to Sandman Into the Sandlerverse. It's a podcast I do with my friend Andrew. We are chronologically going through the filmography of one Adam Sandler, and we are usually a couple beers deep uh, the second we start the podcast, so it's a lot of fun. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, But yeah, give those a listen. Thank you so much. I'll go ahead and segue us gracefully into the feature film by saying that I'm going to. Do it. (laughs) This dramatic thriller about an ocean-based monster was based on a 1974 novel written by Peter Benchley. It was the first major motion picture to be shot on the actual ocean, which of course led to troubled production, often going over budget and past schedule, which I mean, is common, but I imagine it was much worse (laughs) in this case. The mechanical creature in the film malfunctioned so frequently, including George Lucas once getting his head stuck inside it. That rules. (laughs) That it led to the creators instead leaning heavily on an infamous monster POV shot to imply the presence of the beast rather than showing it for most of the film. When this film hit theaters in summer 1975, It became the highest grossing film of all time until two years later when a little number called Star Wars came out. (laughs) It also famously led to an alleged reduction in beach attendance that summer as the movie's ocean monster was so scary, no one wanted to go to the beach anymore. We are talking about Jaws, directed by Steven Spielberg, screenplay by Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb. Thank you so much for choosing this movie, Ruben. I had never seen it before, and you I forced me to watch that. it. Yeah, <laughs> this is like this is like summer movie. 
and and I don't mean to peek behind the curtain again, but we you we did watch it the weekend it takes place. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, Good timing by coincidence. It like started and I totally forgot about that subplot. <laughs> like, and I was like, oh hey, literally the same weekend. Yeah, this okay. This movie is the best, and I and I apologize. I am gonna just gush, 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 gush. That's perfect. That's what we want. This movie rules because, like you said, they had so much problems with the mechanical shark that like they could only use it for certain scenes, and there there's only one left, and they had to like fully restore it. These sharks like just. Like every single one pooped a bit. Like it just, they just, they crapped out on them. They sucked. But they're so, it's so scary because it's just a dumb puppet. It's just a dumb, it's a dumb robot, but it's the way that it looks. And the fact that they couldn't get a robot to work led to having to have this whole like fear of the unknown. You don't know what that thing is going to look like until it happens. Yeah. And when you see it for the first time, it's not even in like a consequential scene. That's the best part. You don't see it in anything major. The first time you really see it is when it kills the Kintner boy, which the best part about that is that this movie's rated PG. And you watch. <laughs> oh, it is? <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, that's right, because PG-13 didn't exist yet. Yeah, it's a PG <laughs> film. And they're like, hey, yeah, yeah, you can go watch it. For the record, that is just a slight higher rating than most Disney films. It's the second major kill is a child being eviscerated by a shark, which you kind Kind of see. I actually I found this picture years ago, and it's an unused shot of the shark coming up at oh. him, and it's filmed from the beach. So you just see the shark and the oh. boys on his raft, like ah! oh my god, and you just see the mouth right behind it. And I've been like, how is that little boy just like I get it? This is a robot. Like I'd be like, no, I'm yeah. good. I'm good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where is he now? Did he was he able to go swimming after that? I wonder. <laughs> well, okay. So that's the thing too is. So they had this big premiere beach party thing after it wrapped. We're like, okay, like we're done. And the kicker is Steven Spielberg stands on the beach the whole time. And they're like, you're going to go in the, are you going to go in the water? And he goes, nah. <laughs> he Absolutely. scared himself. Yeah. He's like, they're, he goes, they're waiting for me. I'm not going in there. They're waiting for me. Like they know, they know what I did to them. So funny. Yeah. What he did to them, which was give them a, a really bad press, like really bad reputation. Which yeah. Peter, Peter Benchley, I'm sure you know this, but Peter Benchley said that he wouldn't have written the book if he'd known that people <laughs> were going to like take it seriously. Cause, or if he knew more about sharks, cause he's like, oh, since then I learned they really don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And so I have read the book and I'll say this, the book is fine, but this was like, this whole thing was like okay steven spielberg ends up doing this thing a lot where he takes a book and goes i like that strips all the meat away all the, everything else and just has the skeleton and then builds his own again because the book jaws would not have worked as a direct adaptation it's wordy it's boring honestly brody's wife is a much more integral character but her subplot is weird she dated Matt Hooper's older brother oh God. when he used to live there. And then her and Matt Hooper like start having an affair. Oh, no. Yeah, it's gross. It's weird. <laughs> and it would feel super unnecessary in the film. Yeah. Like it would just be like, huh? We don't need backstory there. Yeah. In the movie, there's no backstory. That okay, would be right. if it was a series. Like if it was a series, we would need yes. the, all the little human dramas. Jaws is the best thing to happen for summer blockbusters and the worst thing to happen for shark movies because there has been <laughs> No, sh every shark movie just tries to be Jaws. What about Sharknado? The oh, smash hit Sharknado. I, can I just say, I've never liked those. I've never seen it. But the whole thing is like, it's so bad, it's good. <laughs> okay. You can't you can't make a bad movie on purpose and go, yeah, yeah but isn't it funny how bad it is? And it's like, no, it's because you had a low budget. Like you can't yeah. like good bad movies were trying to be good movies. Like it needs exactly. to be trying to be its best, and then it turns out bad because then you get the heart. Like the thing that makes a movie watchable is the heart, whether it's a good or a bad movie. The passion yeah. of the people involved in it is what makes it watchable. The room is so much fun exactly. because of how much Tommy Wiseau puts into that film. If he mm -hmm. just phoned it in, it wouldn't be good. Yeah. But it's great because he's very clearly not phoning it in. And that's why it's insane. But yeah, no, I love, I mean, Jaws is, Jaws is incredible. And so the whole thing is like, the thing is, Jaws comes out 75. So I looked it up because I was curious. In the 10 year span, in just in 10 years, John Williams cranks this out. He cranks out Star Wars. He cranks out Raiders. He cranks out Superman. <laughs> like John Williams was on a freaking roll of just like iconic themes. Yeah. And then he just keeps going because in the 90s, he cranks out Harry Potter. Like oh, yeah. John Williams was incredible because he took this. It's two notes. Mm -hmm. It's two notes. But if you were ever near any body of water, 
and you play those two notes, someone's like, knock it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did the thing come out before or after Jaws? I just did an episode about it. The thing? John yeah. Carpenter's? That was after. 80s, huh? Yeah, oh, that was okay. 80s. I wonder if there was any inspiration because the thing also has a very minimalist soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's even wilder is that obviously Jaws is one of the most inspirational movies of all time in its line dialogue and everything. The best part too is when that shark pops up and he just stares at it. He doesn't scream. He doesn't move. He just stares. It's such a good reaction. It's so genuine because he pulls back and it just cut and realizing that like, oh, we're boned. <laughs> like this is weird. This is we are not good. So I started watching Stranger Things 4. And in the first episode, there's a character called Chrissy. And Chrissy is a character who, spoiler alert, beefs it in the first episode. I then turn on Jaws. And do you remember what the character who beefs it at the very beginning's name is? It's Chrissy. Yeah. She's like, my name's Chrissy. Ha ha. And I was like, hey, wait, what? Stranger Things, a monster show. There's no way that that's an accident. The little things in Jaws that go on to just influence and inspire. Yeah, Jaws is it's an all-timer. When I was a kid, Jaws scared me so much. And I always wanted to watch it. And my parents were like, well, if you watch it, you can't be scared this time. And I was like, I won't be scared this time. I was scared every time. <laughs> We go to Universal Studios, and this is around 1999. I think I'm nine years old. We're going down to the tram, and I'm like, Dad, I don't really want to go on the tram because in the commercials, the shark jumps up and grabs the tram and pulls it underwater. Oh, my so I God. <laughs> I don't really love that. I yeah. don't want to. I don't. I'm not a big fan of that. And my dad is like, okay, well, don't worry. I got us the sharkless tram. I was like, you're the best. <laughs> you're the best, Dad. Thank you so much. <laughs> this guy gets it. And I'm like, best dad ever. <laughs> like. Awesome. So we get on the tram and we have to split. My brother and my mom go sit in the front and my dad and I sit in the back and we're sitting there and I'm like, movies, movies. Like, I'm so excited. And the tour guide comes on thing and is like, all right, we're very excited. We're going to see some amazing things today. We're going to see fans of Back to the Future. We're going to see uh, Hill Valley. And I'm like, yeah, like, oh, we're going to see some of the other fair films are made. And I'm like, yeah. Like, oh, we're also going to go visit Amity Island. And I was like, I know what that is, father. Father, I think we're on the wrong tram. <laughs> I think we have made a mistake. So anytime water shows up on this tour, I'm like, it's here. This is it. This is it. And my dad's like, will you knock it off? Like, And I'm like, dad, the water's coming. And he's like, what do you think is going to happen? Like a, a shark is going to fly through like this subway? Like, no. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It can do what, dad? <laughs> so every time water, I'm like, oh, buddy, oh gosh, here we go. And so finally... We pull up and we see the sign, Welcome to Amity Island. And I'm like, Father, no. <laughs> like, and I'm clearly panicking audibly. My dad's like, please, yeah. just please just stop. And this woman behind or in front of us, Savior, okay? She turns around. She's sitting there with her daughter, which what I'm about to say is buck wild because she's sitting there with her daughter. She goes, sweetie, it's okay. The shark only eats girls. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> which, first of all, I get where she's coming from. Second of all, I would love to know what her daughter thought about that. <laughs> Third, she looks at me and says that I stand up and scream, Mom, you need to get off this trail. Fourth, not true in the movie. Yeah, not, definitely not true <laughs> in the movie. So we, we get there and my dad knows too. My dad is like, my dad's logic is I'll just get him to be over his fears. So my dad has situated me next to the side. So we get there and all the little show elements happen. All the guy in the water goes down and all the red comes up. And OK, OK, OK. Well, the, the dock bias is exploding. OK. And then the shark starts coming up and it goes by the boat. And I'm like, that's not so bad. Like, I'm like, OK, my dad's like, great. I did it. Like, I'm, I'm a good dad. And I'm like, mm, debatable, but sure. <laughs> and so I'm like, great. And because it's the 90s, my dad is filming everything on a handy cam. Nice. Like, oh, OK, yeah. So we get home, we get home and my dad's like, hey, we're going to watch the home movies now. Do you want to watch it? And I was like, no. And he was like, why? I was like, the shark's going to get me. <laughs> and he's like, Ruben, what do you mean the shark's going to get you? He's like, we, we, you saw it. The shark was, you saw the shark. Shark's not getting you. He goes, yeah, it gets you when you're on TV. <laughs> <laughs> you predicted like, the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then I sat down and was like, seven days. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, sure, fine, whatever. And I just never watched it. Wait, have you seen it to this day? No, I don't even know if we still are in possession of this home video of me oh, freaking man. out. I want it. But yeah, so it's so I, I love Jaws. I love it. We have had a tumultuous relationship because even as an adult, I was going to watch it a couple days before we recorded and it got too late 
And I was like, no, it's too dark. Which, which is, is so funny because like, it's not a movie that takes place at night. Like it's no. not banking on, on darkness as part of the scariness. That's what's great about it is there's <laughs> one scene at night and the shark's not even in that scene. <laughs> Just the head of a guy. <laughs> but yeah, no. So I, I, I love, I mean, Jaws, it's just Jaws. It's so much fun. It's spooky. It's scary. It's like, yeah, it's, it's fun. It is fun. Fun, spooky, scary. Can you give us a brief summary of Jaws in your own words? <laughs> Okay, so Jaws is a film about Chief Martin Brody. Body. I would say, yeah. I it, here's here's the thing for me is that Brody, Hooper, and Quint all remind me and always have reminded me of my grandfather, my uncle Howie, and my uncle Dick. Oh. And so when I see that movie, I'm like, hey, I know you guys. Then I'm I'm just gonna rewrite my questions because I was gonna ask Mary Fuck Kill. <laughs> Quint Hooper Brady, but now that's become incestuous. So yeah, now that is erase I, that. <laughs> I've added this weird familiar thing to it, and it's like, oh, I'm not gonna make him do that. No, but, I love that though. But so for me, that's like it, it's happy. It was my grandpa's favorite movie. Aww. and like, and he's gone now, and I'm always like, that's you though. Aww. What do you mean it's your favorite? Like that's you. You're like, you're Martin Brody. <laughs> uh, Martin Brody is the police chief of Amity. And despite his position, great guy. And uh, in the book, not so much. Kind of sucks. Like, mm. like kind of like a dickhead in the book. But he's a cool dude in the movie because he's a Steven Spielberg protagonist. So he has to be likable. But like have a little bit of gruff, but like lovable gruff. We're like, no, you. And he is the police chief of Amity. And then this girl gets eaten by a shark. So Brody is like, what are we going to do? How are we going to figure this out? And he's kind of talking to the mayor. Like, we got to do something about this. And the mayor's like, shut up. Get out of here. Because <laughs> it's kind of Brody's job, like, to shut the beaches down. And Brody wants to shut the beaches down, but the mayor won't let him. And there's this weird kind of, like, push between them. Brody doesn't shut the beach down, but he's, like, sitting at the beach, and he's very edgy. And we get this, ooh, we get that dolly zoom where he's sitting <laughs> there and he's looking. I was explaining it to my girlfriend. She was like, well, what's so special about this zoom? It's just zooming in on him. I go, but it's not zooming in on him. The whole camera is moving towards him. That's what gives you that sense of like the whole world is moving is that it's not just whoop, it's like rushing in on him and you're kind of getting his perspective on it. Yeah, it's like a psychological vertigo. Yeah, it's so good. And he realizes, uh oh, there's something out there. The shark does eat a dog, um, which is just a great little like something's about to go down because you just see a guy with this dog like, ha ha. And then like the scene's progressing, the scene's progressing. And he's like, dog, where's the dog? <laughs> and then like, but he's kind of like in the background. And then like, you just see the floating stick, which my girlfriend did make a good point. She's like, you're telling me that shark got that dog and there's just no blood anywhere. The stick has nothing on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, sure, fine, whatever. Maybe the dog went with the shark voluntarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they had the CGI, the dog out of the rest of the movie because he's riding <laughs> on this shark like with a little... A little saddle. Yeah. So then, okay, then the Kintner boy, which we talked about, just gets bleh, And it's like so crazy. Everybody's trying to get out of the water. Everybody's kind of accounted for, accounted for, accounted for. And then you get the Kintner mom. This scene has so much setup. You don't realize what's happening because it's focusing on this family and it's focusing on that. And you don't realize that it's all getting you set up for what's about to happen. So the Kintner boy dies and the mom's like, oh. We cut to they're doing like a whole thing in City Hall, I guess, or Martin Brody's office where they're like, OK, we need to take care of the shark. We got to get the shark out of here. And then we get one of the most iconic sequences for me, the head, the tail, the whole damn thing sequence where we're introduced to Quint. We have met Hooper, who's like, I'm the shark expert. And he's like a little dork, but he's like a lovable little dork. And the citizens of Amity do not respect Matt Hooper. <laughs> and it kind of rules. And so he like shows up and he's like, hey, I'm a scientist. <laughs> so I mean, that's pretty much what he does. Like, hey, I'm here. And then Quint in their little meeting is like, yeah, I'll get you the bird, which I think is very funny. He calls it a bird. I don't know why he says that. I was like, we're looking for fish, dummy. <laughs> um, he does the whole nails on the chalkboard, which has been parodied millions and thousands of times. The like oh. scratch and then like the old disheveled man and that picture he's drawn of the shark on the board i love that freaking picture so much <laughs> so funny. my cousin who i i see sporadically he was in the, the military and he came back and he looks nothing like me he is a jacked very cool guy but we are the same person we have the same personality the same like everything everything about us is the same despite the fact he looks like he was built as a pit bull 
and I looked like I was built as like an orangutan. He showed me all these like crazy, cool nerd tattoos. And I see this one on his, his arm and it's the shark. Oh, nice. Like it's the Quint drawing. And I'm like, that's Quint's drawing. He goes, no one ever knows what this is. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's Quint's drawing. Aww. I love that. And it's fun. Oh, and then we get the best part. I've said that like a thousand times already. <laughs> we get this sequence where a bunch of people are going to hunt for the shark. Matt Hooper's like, they're going to die out there. I love that. I love when Matt Hooper's like, <laughs> you're all going to die. Because <laughs> um, I kind of wish they did. So then they hunt a bull shark. They think they found it. And Matt Hooper's like, that's not the shark. Like, that's a bull shark. Tiger or shark. he says tiger shark. In it. He says, that's t- t- tiger shark. The man who looks at him and goes, oh, what? <laughs> in the weirdest, like, oh, what? <laughs> like, it's the funniest delivery. Like, literally the next cut. Like, it cuts to Brody doing something, cuts back. The guy very clearly is aware that he just went, oh, what? <laughs> Because now he's like, hey, man, let me ask you something. Is it this way? Is it that? Like, he's very, he's like making his voice deeper. And I'm like, nah, you're the. Oh, what? <laughs> so Brody, Hooper and Quint all go out on this boat, the Orca, because they're going to get the shark. Brody doesn't want to go because Brody hates the ocean, which is funny to people because he's the mayor of an island. And what's crazy is Richard Dreyfus, And I can't believe I'm blanking. The actor who played Quint hated each other. Robert Shaw. Yeah, Robert Shaw and uh, Richard Dreyfus hated each other. Absolutely hated each other. So their reactions are so genuine. Yeah, I can tell. So yeah, that's what's great is the fact that they're like constantly at each other's throats. It's like, I lo- okay, so they're on the boat and I love when they're below deck and they're comparing scars. That scene was very fun. Because they're, they're just drunk and comparing scars. And Richard Dreyfus just pulling his shirt open and being like, mm-hmm. see that one? She broke my heart. And they're like, oh. Yeah, love to see a man who's secure enough to touch another man's lumps. Because they were literally like, <laughs> he's like, feel that lump on my head. He's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I want to touch that lump. <laughs> they're very like hands on, which is very yeah, funny. Yeah, no hesitation. So secure. They're out there for literal days. They're going to hunt the shark and they're going to attach buoys to it and blah, blah, blah. Do you know why they attached buoys to it? No. Because the robot didn't work. So to show, oh, it's where got, it was. Yeah, look, it's over here because it's almost more ominous to just see the like, it is. The, whoop, like, oh, God, it's here. Like yeah. it's, it's around us somewhere. One of one of my favorite shots is like when they're inside the boat and it's like nighttime and then you see the buoy just come towards the boat. Beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, it just knows. It's just, ugh. it's so ominous and scary. And that's what makes it work. Mm. The shark essentially has had enough of it and he attacks the boat. Quint, oh, Quint's death. Quint's death rules because Quint... <laughs> grabs a knife and is like stabbing the head of it as it's biting him and shaking him around and he's like it's just it's so much blood not a whole lot of guts yet question question about the quint death and that is your uncle dick you said Uh, that one is yeah that's uncle dick yeah 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 yeah. because he's the fisherman yeah it's uncle dick i love that too is that he's just there's blood everywhere and he's just and then he just stops yelling and the shark just kind of like backs up, which I don't think it can do. It just kind of puts in reverse like a car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he and he just lifelessly like pull gets pulled into the water. And I'm like, you think Robert Shaw had to like actually stand there as a robot pulled him off a boat? Like, Ooh, that's scary. I can't tell if that's a, a dummy or not. Yeah, especially no, I don't know if this is before or after George Lucas got trapped in it and couldn't get out. Oh, yeah. When you think like, oh, George Lucas got trapped in it. If something went wrong, we never would have got Star Wars because George Lucas oh wanted God. to goof around with like a shark puppet. <laughs> like, so true. <laughs> Quinn's gone. And then and the boat is sinking. Brody's inside. And boom, the shark comes through the window and it's like, bah, 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 bah. I mean, this is an audio medium, but it really just looks like <laughs> it just looks like a hand puppet going. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Brody gets out of it and he like shoves a tank, like an air tank in the shark's mouth, which our Chekhov's gone like six times on this boat. Mm-hmm. Like they keep reminding you these air tanks are there. Yeah, as soon as they had them, I was like, oh, they're going to use that to blow up the shark because they don't even say, oh, that's the air tank we need for no. something. There's like, no, we just Quint, have it. Quint just goes, be careful with those. Those are explosive. And then winks at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, OK. And so then the shark gets one in the mouth and then the shark is coming towards Brody and you get the 
smile, you son of a bitch. And he mm-hmm. just pops it. And it, of course, it explodes and it roars for some reason. <laughs> sharks, sharks don't roar. They don't make noise. And then Hooper's like, hey, I, I'm alive, I guess. And then they just swim back to shore. Yeah, I, I love this movie. I mean, it's the best. It's so much fun. What was the first time you watched Jaws? Where, with who, and how did you respond then versus now? It was definitely with my parents when I was like a kid, like a little kid. And it was one of those things where I was like, this is scary. My mom was like, your grandpa likes this, but you need to know it's very scary. And I'm like, I can do it. And then like, I wouldn't get in the bathtub. And they were like, yeah, okay, so you can't do it. Like, how young were you? I was like, I mean, if my mom is listening to this, I was 18. Uh, and (laughs) And she's a good mom and she would never have shown a child that. I was in elementary school for sure. Dang. Yeah, because this movie is gory. Yeah, it rules. It's really. <laughs> I love when you just see like severed body parts just fall to the floor of the ocean. It's so funny. Yeah, it's very intense. I have a plan to go to the Academy Museum in LA where the only remaining Bruce is. That's his name, by the way. The shark's name is Bruce. Yeah. The only remaining Bruce is because I just I want to see it. I have this weird relationship with it where I'm like, I love you, but I hate you because I'm supposed to hate you because you're like, you're a monster, but like you are, you're you. Yeah. And it's wild that like, that's what a good actor does. A good actor makes you hate them because they're playing a character because you, so you have a connection to it. This is a robot. (laughs) This is not real. Doesn't have a choice, but it's just because of how, how genuine and how real it made me feel. Yeah. And I think that's a combination of, like I said earlier, the happy accident of them not being able to use it as much, use the puppet and the mechanics as much as they wanted to, which I really miss because I think Star Wars is the same way. If, if George Lucas had everything he wanted with Star Wars, it would have sucked. We saw that in the nineties when he did the re re reimagining where he's like, (laughs) all right, this, this, this one has a song and dance number in it. You're like, why doesn't need that. Yeah. Like like you said, the happy accident and the kicker is with this movie too is Spielberg makes this movie and he becomes this huge hotshot director. And the only person he wants to ever meet is his idol, his directing like inspiration, Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, was he alive? Yes. Oh. So he goes to this club and he goes to meet Hitchcock. And because Hitchcock's in the club, and I don't remember who is there with him, but like his friend is like, I'll go see if he wants to meet you. Okay, just cutting in real quick, just to say, I know there's got to be an indie band out there with an EP called Hitchcock in the Club. <laughs> Hitchcock's in the club. Hitchcock's in the club. But I also like the idea of like Hitchcock and like an EDM club. Just like, there's just like. Yeah. Just like walking in the background in like a suit. Totally. But so it's like a restaurant or whatever. And Spielberg's outside. And the guy comes out and is like, hey, Hitchcock doesn't want to meet you, dude. Like, he he does not want to talk to you. He doesn't. Damn, I heard he was a dick, but that's cruel. So here's the kicker. Okay. So he's like, he doesn't want to meet you, man. I'm sorry, but he, he just doesn't want to talk to you. And he's like, okay, I get it. It's fine. I get it. Crying in the club. <laughs> yeah. So the story from Hitchcock's perspective is that somebody comes in and goes, hey, Spielberg wants to meet you. And he goes, I can't do it. And he goes, what do you mean you can't do it? You can meet the kid. The kid wants to meet you. And he goes, no, they're doing a Jaws attraction for Universal. And they hired me to narrate it. I feel like, I feel like used. He's like, I feel like a sellout. I don't want this kid to meet me and realize I'm a sellout. Like he goes, I, I am not who he thinks I am. And I want him to have that image of me still. So he was ashamed that he did something besides direct a movie. He was ashamed that the kid turned something down and he picked it up oh. because he didn't have, because similar was like, I don't really want to do that. Like, so they're like, Oh, look at Hitchcock narrate it. And Hitchcock was like, yeah, I give me the money. <laughs> yeah. I, I want money. Like that sucks. Like, so it's very interesting. Dang. Hitchcock didn't want to like seem like a sellout. He didn't want to seem like he, he liked it. This kid thought that he was great and he wanted him to keep that man i don't know that just breaks my heart i i try to make sure that my podcast is not tearing down the white men of hollywood who are (laughs) all unanimously terrible mostly because there's already other wonderful podcasts doing that such as toss popcorn named off for toss popcorn and there's there's a bunch of other ones too switchblade sisters switchblade sisters is great yeah those podcasts are already out there so i won't get into that (laughs) let me just say for the record i don't approve of that i shed a tear on behalf of poor little spielberg (laughs) yeah which which is wild because then like you realize like Spielberg has now become that 
not in the negative sense, but just he's become that figure for so many other people who are now in Hollywood. Totally. Like you look yeah. at Abrams, like it's like it's almost like a weird like Pokemon evolution line of like, well, you go from Hitchcock to Spielberg to Abrams like, <laughs> or even John Favreau telling the story in the spectacle way of like that no one else has done it like it's what makes it cool and crazy yeah to his credit i don't think he let that be his villain origin story at least no <laughs> no for for all i've all intents purposes and what i've heard he's a pretty decent guy i mean he hasn't given his opinion on marvel movies which i think he's not allowed to because like because <laughs> like it'd be like scorsese's like i don't like them they're theme park rides and i'm like duh stupid <laughs> like that's the point yeah. Oh, you said something earlier that, that you made me realize something about Marvel movies, which is that I think that they should just be mandated that you have to watch them with a crowd because I think that's really what they are. Like it's a community movie experience. Yeah, that's what's fun about them. They're popcorn yeah. movies. Well, I've made the mistake of watching some of them alone and no, don't do it. <laughs> I could never watch one alone for the first time. I'd need to watch it with yeah. other people. Because even like when Black Widow came out, so my girlfriend, my friend and I, we watched it in our house. There's only three of us, but to still. Yeah. It's around people and to, ooh, ah, oh, no. Like, it's that kind of, it's fun. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, no, I mean, Jaws, Jaws rules. Jaws rules. Jaws rule. Wait a minute. The Illuminati. What? <laughs> Did you know that there's four Jaws movies? I did. And I heard that Spielberg wanted nothing to do with them. And he said making sequels is, is a, a cheap hack trick or something like that. Yeah, which I would love. I'm sure. Has he never done one? I would love to see him just do one eventually. I mean, didn't he do Indiana Jones? Oh, yeah. But I, I mean. It's not really sequels, those, like different chapters in his life. Yeah, it's like anthology, like not anthology because it's all one guy. But do you know why he did Indiana Jones? No. He was like vying and kept asking people if he could do the next James Bond. Oh. He wanted to do James Bond. And they were like, no. And he was like, all right. So then he made his own with George Lucas because Lucas was like, hey, I have this idea. Like, it's this like, I, but it's also kind of sci-fi, but, you know, not crazy. And he's like, let's do it. Nice. They do Indiana Jones. Yeah, I, I I love Spielberg. I would love to see a modern Spielberg horror movie. I'd love to see him do one now. Yeah. What's the last thing he did? Ready Player. No, West Side Story. He that was him. Yeah. Right. Oh. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to see him do like a modern horror with his own, you know, Spielberg style. But I would just love to see him do a horror movie again because that guy truly has done everything. Like I think he's done most genres. Because he's done horror, he's done comedy, he's done adventure, he's done romance, he's done... How much horror has he done besides Jaws? Because you said that he, like, after Jaws, he was scared to go in the water. So maybe he scared himself too much. He's like, I'm too good at this. <laughs> well, he did Duel. Duel is what he did first. Never heard of that. Duel is Jaws, but it's a big rig. Oh, that's right. He said he didn't, at first he didn't want to do Jaws because he didn't want to be known as the shark and truck director. <laughs> yeah, which I'm like, okay, that, that is very funny. But it also kind of makes sense because they are very similar films where it's just big thing terrorizes people. He didn't want to be the terrorized guy. He didn't want to be, want to be like Stephen King. Yeah, who's like the little kid guy, but not in that way. <laughs> <laughs> like not, not in like the bad way. Just like, but Stephen King really is the little kid guy where it's like, oh, yeah. something with a little kid. Which he's talked about. I'm sure you know this, but he's talked about how he always has like kids dying because he had kids and it was his way of coping with the horror of yeah. if they did die, like what would he do? He would bury them in a magical cemetery. <laughs> Duh. So here's what's wild is that you bring up Stephen King. 70s, this movie comes out. Okay. Boop. A woman goes missing and then they find her body and they're like, oh, she died. Okay. And no one can find anything else about her. No one finds anything about her. And then there's this guy who's like, hey, that missing woman is in the background of Jaws. Oh my God. And this guy finds this like woman and he like realizes that, yeah, there she is. And they're able to like figure out, okay, well, she was here for shooting this day and blah, 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 blah. Oh. This guy tells his dad, his dad goes and tells people, this guy's name is Joe Hill. And his dad's name is Stephen King. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Three degrees of separation. Yeah. So like Joe Hill helped find information about a missing dead woman because he watched yeah. Jaws and she's wow. just in the background. Holy shit. That is wild. Yeah. Well, how would you say that Jaws changed or affected your life? Like what specific impact did it have? I, I think for me, Jaws kind of like opened my eyes to like the spectacle of movies. This is like the summer blockbuster. And I know earlier you were like, I'd love to see this in the crowd. A lot of places will show Jaws. Okay, they'll like do a, a screening of it. The kicker is it is either on a lake and you are in a flotation device. Ooh. 
Mm. Or you're in like a pool and you're in a flotation device. Hell yeah. No, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) The problem. So yeah, the problem with, I would be down for a pool, but the problem with the lake thing is I'm, I'm not really scared of sharks, but I'm already scared of like dark water just inherently. Yeah. No, thank you. But really cool. Yeah. I, I, no, I'm good. (laughs) I could be in a floaty in the hot tub off to the side and be like, no, I'm good. But also like, that pool is probably filled with urine. Oh yeah, I like get that because public pools are gross. But also when you're watching to begin with, you're watching a scary movie. Yeah, and you're telling me there's gonna be no pee. I mean, I, I guess you're revealing something about how you respond to scary yeah. movies. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that if I if I was scared and I was at a position where my body could say, if you peed, it'd be okay. I think I would. I don't think I'm breaking ground here. I don't. But yeah, no. So would would you would you watch it like floating in a flotation device? A pool, yes, with a limited number of people for pee reasons. A lake, absolutely. I wouldn't watch any movie on a lake. Well, <laughs> at least in a flotation device, in a full yeah. boat, sure. Oh, I have, mm-mm, mm-mm. no, <laughs> no. If I'm ever on any sort of vessel on water and they go, we're going to watch a movie. And I go, okay, what is it? And they go, Jaws. And I go, nope. <laughs> and I would be calling an Uber boat and being like, hey, can you? <laughs> Can you come get me? I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. When, I, when I was a kid in Boy Scouts, we watched Hunt for Red October on a submarine. And I was like, this is fun. Wait, you watched it on a submarine? Yes. How did you get on a submarine? Boy Scouts. Where they were like, hey, Boy Scouts, come spend the night on a submarine. Wow. It sounds real sketch in like... <laughs> <laughs> As I'm describing it now. I wasn't even thinking of that. Yeah, sketch in that sense, but also like, wow, the programming towards little military. Yeah, kind of wild. Water comes so soon. And but like if they're like, hey, we're actually not going to watch Hunt for October. We're going to watch Jaws. I'd be like, "Uh, I need to get off. (laughs) And the submarine never left the dock. It never like became undocked or whatever. Yeah. But I was like, no, how about we die instead? How about we all just die? (laughs) I would rather watch literally any movie. I would watch Titanic on here. I don't care. Yeah. Well, there's no, I mean, the icebergs aren't going to charge at your submarine. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a submarine would decimate a shark. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I wouldn't. And it's, and it's coming for me. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like the impact of the movie basically set the stage for your love of movies. Yes. Do you feel like, cause you were talking about the way that you would always look into special effects and behind the scenes. Did that kind of start with Jaws? Yes. And no, I think that the thing of my mom saying, it's not real. Like, don't worry. It, it, it can't get you. Cause it's not real. That helped. But like, also when I was a kid, the internet wasn't what it is now. So I couldn't just go to the computer and be like, how did they film jazz? (laughs) Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. Call me Jeeves. Jeeves, my pants are wet again. How did they make the shark (laughs) eat the lady? Um, So for me, it's like, okay, yeah, I think that's where it started. But then as I got the internet and as I could learn things, I was like, wait a minute, how was this done? Oh, like what did the robot look like when it's not in the water? Oh, stupid. Cool. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion. Do you have any last comments to make about the film to convince anyone who's not convinced yet to watch it? I mean, it's just, it's so good. It's so good. Like, (laughs) sound like your brother right now. It's it's good, good movie. (laughs) Shark, it's not a metaphor. It's just a shark and he eats people. No, but that's that that is my thing, too, is I think that this is a very good this is a weird way to phrase this, but I think this is a very romantic movie Hmm. without being uh, love, like without being human romantic. Martin Brody and his wife have a very great and healthy relationship. Nothing weird. There's no problems. The focus is not on that. Yeah. No misogyny. Yeah. No misogyny. No like weird. Oh, are they fighting? Like, no, they just love each other. It's cool. We see them get along a lot. They're communicative. Like there's no problems there. And that's great. Martin Brody loves his island. Matt Hooper loves sharks. He loves science. Quint loves the ocean Mm. and the shark loves eating. (laughs) Yeah. So. But to see these kind of three stories where it's like, yeah, Martin Brody's just a man who just loves his island. He just loves his people. And like he wants to protect them more than anything. So I so I love it. I love this movie. Yeah, that's a really good point. It really is a movie about passions. Yeah. And it inspired passion in you. Although I, yeah. So one time I was in Missouri and I was at like this like zoo and there were like 
hey, pay $5 and you can feed the shark. And I was like, Whoa. we're doing it. They had a sea tank at a zoo in Missouri. Yeah, it probably was as not great as you're imagining. And so they were like, it wasn't like a great white or anything. It was just like, you know, a smaller shark. The leopard shark. Yeah. And like I, they gave you meat on a stick. And I like walked up to the thing and I was like, I was like, okay, we're going to, you know, like I'm going to see it. It's going to come at me. And we're going to be okay. And like, this will be me conquering my fear. Mm -hmm. And I like walk up and the guy's like, okay, come here. And I like stand there and I like, I'm like, he's like, make sure to put the stick in the water. And I go like this. And I'm like holding it above the water. And he's like, <laughs> no, it's not Jaws. Like put it in the water. <laughs> and so I, I put the stick in the water and then the stick kind of shakes a little bit. And he goes, oh, she's pissy today. Anyway, you're done. And I was like, oh, OK. And I like take the stick and I like walk down the stairs. And my mom was like, did, did it help? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Wait, you can actually see it. All you yeah, felt was like the I stick couldn't, I couldn't see anything. So I just like I just oh feel the stick like like a phone vibrate. Just <laughs> OK, um, I retract my earlier shock. This zoo in Missouri does not have a shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just a guy down there pulling the stick. <laughs> yeah, they who's collecting the raw fish and putting it back in another thing. Um, but like I mean there was like holes in the sides like my family could see, but mm. I I didn't see anything. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, so I was like, "Oh, okay. I think this does help because I'm like, oh, right. Uh sharks don't do that." <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fear fear is irrational, yeah. nor is passion. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast, Ruben. Thank you for having me. If people would like to find more of you other than Kid Tested Mother Approved, where can they find you? So I've got, I have Kid Tested Mother Approved. I have Sandman into the Sandlerverse, uh, like I said, which is a, a name that I had had for years. I was like, I want to do a podcast called Sandman into the Sandlerverse. Before podcasts even existed. Yeah, in, in 1994. <laughs> I was like, Mother. I have an idea. It's an audio radio show where I only talk about Adam Sandler. She's like, okay, be quiet. Watch Jaws. <laughs> I'm on the social medias. I'm on Instagram. I'm the Cubics Rube. I'm also, because I'm a cool, young teenage millennial, I'm on TikTok. I'm Cubics Rube 3. I do well on TikTok and I hate it sometimes, but it's fun. Yeah, you do. I see I see you popping off in there with the little Gen Z kids in your comments. Yeah. <laughs> I also, a bunch of Gen Z kids have used my voice as like, a, like I'm a TikTok sound. Oh, cool. Uh, well, that's one word for it. <laughs> There's a video that, so we have cameras in our house. Uh, for safety stuff. And my my girlfriend was I was telling her, I was like, you need to watch the cameras right now. She goes, why? What just happened? And I go, you're never going to believe what you're about to see on the camera. And I am washing dishes and I'm simultaneously looking at TikTok. And I kind of she says I leaned into my phone, cocked my head and then immediately just screamed and flinched like something was coming at me. <laughs> <laughs> because what had happened was I'm watching a TikTok and I'm reading it and then I listen and I hear my own voice is the sound coming oh. from a child who is not me. So I just went, ah! <laughs> that would be terrifying. <laughs> and I'm the one who recorded it. I know that it yeah. exists, but it still just made me gasp and like freak out so much. And I was like, ah! And like yeah. flinch, like it was going to hit me. <laughs> that seems to be a pattern. Yeah, I do that a lot. <laughs> Sharks, your own voice. <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> that would be my nightmare if I was out on a boat and they were like, well, look, a shark. And the shark popped up and was like, hey, dude, I'd be like, oh, no, actually, this sucks. <laughs> this is the worst thing I could have imagined. It's <laughs> just like, hey, man, I'm going to get you. OK, like, you know what? You deserve this. Fine. I'm, here I come. <laughs> Anything else? Any shows coming up or projects? If I have shows, you can see them posted. Instagram, of course, I have my podcasts where those are so much fun. Kid Tested Mother Approved, just a quick summary. Podcast I do with my mom. Each week we pick a theme or a theme is given us. And then we pick a movie for each other to watch based on that theme. It's very cute and wholesome. Mm -hmm. It's true. And then uh, Sandman Into the Sandlerverse, we're chronologically going through every single movie Adam Sandler has ever been in, whether it is a starring role or a cameo. Uh, we just did the film Dirty Work, which he is in for approximately only 27 seconds <laughs> um, and, and so yeah that uh not as wholesome and i'm usually drunk already so <laughs> there are two very flip sides to the same coin but it's very fun sweet well thank you again thank you and remember everybody bring your own popcorn I'm a pop
Uh, what? Love to see a man who's secure enough to touch another man's lumps. Feel that lump on my head. And it's like, bah, 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 bah. Oh, God, it's here. Like, it's, it's around us somewhere. <laughs>